Thank you for joining us for this episode of 13. This is part five of our five-part series. If you have not listened to the previous four parts, we recommend going back and doing that first. Thank you to everyone who joined the Patreon throughout the month of November. It's been amazing to see all of you guys pop up. And it's been super cool to see you guys join the Discord. If you are a patron and you're not yet in the Discord, we would highly recommend getting into the Discord. It is very fun. If you don't know how Discord works, send us a message. We will help you out. This series is over, but our patrons get a lot more 13. Not just early access to multi-part series like this, but they also get perks like ad-free episodes, an extra story each month, exclusive merch, and access to that Discord that we're obsessed with. We like talking to you guys. So if you want to learn more, you can check us out at patreon.com slash 13pod, and we'll put a link in the show notes. But let's get on with the story. Are you ready for the end? I'm ready. Ian's ready. <laughs> He's had a lot of coffee. I've had a lot of coffee. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's late. Uh, well, here we go. An hour later, we were at my brother's apartment in the city, a world away from our little hometown and the woods at the back of the house. The sun had set on the drive over. The interstate was deserted. It was Thanksgiving night. We'd brought the camcorder with us. I watched all of the tapes that mom had made with dad's voice coming from the trees, something pretending to be him. When I was done, I felt exhausted. It had been terrifying when we were there, but now it felt distant, like a curiosity. I guess I've always been good at detaching myself. I always thought you knew. When we were little, we saw the kids in the woods. You were there when Grandma used to tell those stories. I just, I thought you knew this whole time. How could you have known and just acted like this was normal? I don't know. It's not like the movies. It's not like this constant thing. I probably saw something three or four times the whole time I lived there. It's easy just to let it fade into the background noise. After a while, you convince yourself that the younger you was just blowing things out of proportion. You're just afraid of the dark. Okay. So, like, what is it? I don't know. I just tried to listen to Grandma's rules. I stayed out of the forest, didn't look through the trees at sunset, and I never answered anyone calling out from the woods. Did that ever happen? I mean, before tonight? No. I've only seen it in the tapes. I think it only happens around sunrise and sunset when the light's weird. What do you think happens if you interact with it? I don't know. But I've always wondered why Mom got better all of a sudden, like she did. What? Remember how she was beside herself, unable to breathe sometimes, racked with grief? But then she answered whatever was in the forest. She shouted at it in the last tape. And out of nowhere, she was all better. So? Well... Maybe one of those times she went down to the tree line. Maybe. It wasn't her that came back to the house. 
or maybe not completely her. It lines up with the timestamp of the last video, the one where we saw the thing. I rolled my eyes at this. It was too much. Come on. There's no way something possessed her and then just went on living as her. For what? To live out her days in that house? To die of an aneurysm all alone like anybody else? She wasn't evil or possessed or body snatched. She was just grieving and she hit her limit. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. I'm just thinking this all out right now in real time. I haven't thought about any of this, though. I looked at the clock on his stove. It was almost ten. It had been a long day. Why don't we get some sleep? We can figure it out in the morning. He got some pillows and blankets and set me up on his couch. As I laid there, my eyes adjusted to the darkness, and I could make out the living room. I had been surprised when I saw his place, an upstairs unit on a tree-lined street close to the center of the city. It was a nice neighborhood. It was a nice place. I'd always kind of imagined him living in a dump. I guess I'd finally gotten around to seeing where he lives after all. I laid awake thinking about what he'd said, about how something had happened when Mom answered the voice in the woods. I thought back to the first full day I was in town. I was standing on the back porch, looking back at the trees. It was the last warm day of the year. The sun was going down. Remembering that I'd heard something like a voice on the wind. Remembering that I'd answered it. We hung out at Donovan's apartment most of the day Friday. We didn't talk about Mom's house. We didn't talk about whatever was in the forest. We'd rushed out so quickly the night before that we didn't load anything up. All the things of moms and dads that we wanted to keep. We'd need to go back for them before we met with the estate sale people on Sunday. But I wasn't ready to think about that yet. I'd been dreading the funeral ever since I came home. Dreading having to interact with so many people I'd lost touch with. But it was mom's service, not mine. It was a nice service. There were more people than I expected, but it wasn't stressful like I thought it would be. Erica was there, just like she said she'd be, and I was glad to see her one more time before I left town again. After the funeral home, we moved to the cemetery, and we put my mom in the ground, right next to my dad, back together, like they'd wanted to be. I left the cemetery feeling lighter, It was sad, but there was a feeling that things were right as they should be. Bittersweet. The kind of ache that comes with a smile. Donovan and I had driven separately to the funeral home, a habit we had for some reason. We both like our time alone. I guess, in a lot of ways, 
We're more alike than I thought. I'm gonna get changed. Do you want to load up afterwards? All of his clothes were still back at his apartment. I still had most of my clothes at Mom's house. I don't know if it was the time that passed, or all of the lingering feelings after the funeral, but I told him I'd meet him there. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. It's the middle of the day, right? You said it only happens at dawn and dusk. As long as you're sure. I was. He assured me he'd be there in a couple of hours, and we got into our cars. He drove west toward the city, and I drove east through town. I drove past the city limits, past the park where the Little League games and summer festivals happen, then up the long snowy hill toward Mom's house. Inside, I was struck by how much progress we'd made on the place. Even though we'd spent most of our time in the basement, we'd done some work upstairs, too. I didn't have that same feeling I'd had before, the feeling of stepping back in time, like Mom was just out running errands and could come back any minute. There were boxes piled up in the hall, boxes for me and boxes for my brother. Open cabinets and open closet doors, all emptied out. It wasn't like walking into my childhood home anymore. I changed out of my funeral clothes and sat down on the couch. I put my head back, looking up toward the ceiling. They say that this part, the planning, the funeral, the calls and the condolences... It's just the first part of grieving, the busy part, the part where you can distract yourself and almost forget. But it's later, after people have stopped asking how you're doing, that's when you start to feel the full weight of it all. I've done this before, but I was a kid then. I wasn't in charge of anything. But now that the funeral is over, I just want to get back to Chicago. I want to get on a plane and open the door to my apartment and be around my people and my things again. I want to pick up where I left off. I wanted to go back to pretending it didn't happen. I needed to figure out what to do with all of these boxes, everything I wanted to keep. I wouldn't be able to fly back with it all. I grabbed one of the boxes with all of the photos I'd picked out. Photos from high school, pictures from around the house, from when friends were over, that photo of me and Erica before prom, posing in the backyard, our dresses, hair, and makeup. But there was something else. I hadn't noticed it before. We were posing out back, facing the house the tree line behind us and way back at the edge of the woods there was a figure in white it was fuzzy the photo quality wasn't great but it looked just like the figure I had seen that first morning after I came back home after I had been lying awake all night 
when Donovan was still sleeping on the couch. If I'm honest, I knew who it was when I watched out the back window that morning, and it was the same thing here. It was barely a speck on the photo, but I knew. It was my grandmother. I snapped out of it and tossed the photo away from me, a belated startle. And when I looked up, I saw something else impossible, something that turned my blood cold. Donovan. He was standing at the end of the hall, in the shadows. His face was like plastic, eyes too wide, a smile that stretched too far. My whole body was trembling. It didn't move. And I was afraid that if I moved first, it would spring into motion. Just then, I heard a car door outside. The figure at the end of the hall seemed to hear it too. It turned its head slowly toward the sound. The eyes and smile not changing a bit, even as it moved. Then, it turned and calmly walked into my old bedroom, just as the front door opened and my real brother stepped in. I told him what happened, why I was terrified and frozen to the couch. It's never done anything like this. It's never come to the house, has it? Have you ever seen it in the house? And that's when I told him what happened just before I went to the hotel on my second night home. The night I'd heard someone from the trees. How I'd even hesitated. I'd remembered our grandmother's warnings. But I called out anyway. I answered a voice from the forest. As we left, I noticed something I hadn't seen before. All around the front and sides of the house, footprints. Human footprints. Several sets of them. Some old and almost completely covered by the newer snowfall. Some fresh. Something had been circling the house. And it had been doing it for days. Come on. Let's go. I went back to the house one more time. It was the next day, Sunday, when we went to show the estate sale people through the place. I was anxious, but I went anyway. They were nice. An older couple, retired and doing this kind of work to keep busy. We walked through the house with them, and they went through the closets, pointed out furniture, and confirmed that everything we wanted to keep was gone. They didn't want to sell something sentimental that we may have missed. We worked from the basement to the upstairs, through the bedrooms, and eventually back to the living room. 
there was one thing we hadn't really talked about. Maybe we'd been avoiding it. Dad's record player. They asked if we needed a minute, and we told them that we did. Seems kind of wrong to get rid of it, doesn't it? He was right. It didn't seem right to sell it or give it away. I could take it. But you don't even know how to use it. That's okay. I can learn. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. There was a tense moment, and I wasn't sure what he was thinking. Then he spoke again. Do you mind if I take the camcorder and the tapes? I was a little taken back by the request. I told him that was fine, but my curiosity got the better of me. Why do you want to keep those? You know, we've got lots of videos of Mom, but, you know, it's the only thing we have with Dad's voice. After we finished up at the house, we said our goodbyes. I had a flight to catch. There was a rush of condolences from friends and co-workers when I got back to the city. But after a couple of days, it was over. And just like I'd hoped, life did get back to normal. There were all of those little moments I knew would come. The first time I wanted to send a text, hearing her favorite songs and movies, or at the grocery store. But when I wanted to text her, I would send it to Donovan instead. A couple of months later, he rented a U-Haul and braved the Chicago winter to bring me everything I'd set aside from mom and dad's house. We had a little weekend project planned. Donovan helped me outfit dad's old record player with Bluetooth speakers. The original sound screens are still there. You'd never know we did anything to it. But I can play it from my phone now. And Donovan finally got to see my place in Chicago. Siblings should know where one another live. We put the house up for sale, and it was on the market for a long time. Turns out, everyone else in town had a hunch that there was something strange going on out there. The ghost stories had spread further than I'd imagined. It was still up for sale when my brother's lease was up. And with rent prices as high as they are, and our hometown still within commuting distance, he decided to move back in, back to the place where we grew up, our haunted childhood home. I'd asked him if he was sure, if it was safe. All he had to say was that he'd never answered whatever's out there, and he never planned to. Time has a way of softening things, I guess. So, I still go home for Thanksgiving, to my brother's house, our house. It's different. It's all his things now, a completely different style. It doesn't feel like the place I grew up anymore. But if I look close, I can still see it all around the edges. I think about all the moments in that house, the lives we lived there. And whenever my brother decides to move on, I can't help but think about the people that will take his place. They'll never know all about our family's life there, all its joys 
and its secrets. Those just belong to us now. And someday, we'll be gone too. And it'll be like they never happened at all. But they did happen. And they mattered. They mattered to us. They were everything. I waited until it felt right to open my letter from Mom. I waited past Christmas and through winter. I waited until spring. It was the first really warm day of the year. The sun was going down, and I could see the lights from Wrigley Field over the rooftops, off in the distance. What she wrote in my letter was a lot like my brother's. She ended mine in the same way, too. She said, Life is about choices, and you have to choose the people who choose you. We never figured out what was in the woods. A part of me wonders if there's something about that forest that holds on to people. Maybe that's why Mom heard Dad's voice. Maybe that's why the record player would come on in the night. Mom, listening to old albums, the ones they'd love to listen to together. Back when her family was whole. Back when she had it all. But I think, more likely, it's something that feeds off of grief. If it were a person stuck, or something that needs to harness those emotions, either way, it would do the same thing as a person stuck in time. It wouldn't want you to forget about them. I don't know why it wanted to scare me that last day, to run us off from the house. Maybe it's not something we can understand. Donovan is doing better. We don't talk about it, but he slipped up and mentioned it once. He said he only hears it on those nights when he's lonely. Scrolling dating apps. Still figuring out what he's looking for. Or, when he opens that old camcorder, listening to a voice from the past. A voice we'll never hear again. Sometimes I think about Mom, walking that tree line and listening. I didn't understand it when I was a kid, but I think I understand it now. The desperation she would have felt, and the way the tears and sobs overcame her when she heard Dad's voice from the trees. But she was playing with fire, and I think she knew it. I remember how she went downhill so hard and fast at the end of her grief, and then how she snapped out of it. Maybe she realized she'd almost touched the flame. Maybe she realized she had to give it up or lose everything. I don't know what happened that made her stop. We saw something on that last tape. Did she see it too? She said you have to choose the people who choose you. A part of me wonders if something came from the trees, if it made her an offer on some cold winter twilight all those years ago. I have no idea what choice that could have been. But in the end, 
She chose us. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of 13. And thank you so much to all the new patrons who joined up over the month of November. Your support is going to make future multi-part series like this one possible. Join us at patreon.com forward slash 13 if you want to be a part of that project. This was part five of The Mist in the Trees, written by Ian Epperson, narrated by Brooke Jeanette. Dustin Parsons was Donovan. Emma Shujarko was mom. Ian was dad. Nate DeFort was the lawyer. And Shelby Scott was Erica. Music editing and sound design by Caleb Ritchie, with assistance from Bridget Freeman. Our producer-level patrons are Rick Linville, Tattooed Fox, Rhiannon, Sean Geary, Anthony Diaz, Jackie Kay, Delta Tango, Chantel Payne, Nick, Emily Douglas, Stephanie Klinger, and Jake R. Thank you so much for your support. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about joining us on Patreon. Check us out on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Pod13, and you can join the Facebook group at 13Podcast. Just look for the logo. And you'll find links for those in the show notes. If you'd like to submit a story to be performed on the show or contact us about anything else, get in touch at info at 13podcast.com. You'll find submission guidelines and other info on our website, 13podcast.com. You can find that in the show notes too. Bridget Freeman chose you. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next month. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online master's of social work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu.